Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Friday Roundtable Show. This is show 272. We've got a special guest joining us as well. He's He's gone through the snow blizzards, the storms, all sorts of things to join us today. And that's Matt from the Matt Report. Would you like to introduce yourself quickly to the listeners and the viewers, Matt? Sure thing. Uh, I run a podcast called The Matt Report, mattreport.com. Uh, my day job is working for the fine folks over at pagely.com. And they are, and they are very nice people, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress plugin for making courses and membership sites. I also have a podcast for course creators and membership site builders called LMS Cast. And uh, a very nice group of people as well, folks. So, uh, and I have my co-host Kim. Would you like to introduce yourself, Kim? Absolutely. I'm Kim Schibler. I'm a teacher and instructional design consultant and the co-host of this lovely show. Oh, thanks. And my good friend, John Locke, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name's John Locke and I do SEO for manufacturing firms. Uh, that's great. And I'm the host of this show and I'm the founder of WP Tonic, a WordPress support maintenance company with a speciality in learning management systems and membership websites. Um, before we go into the show, I just want to quickly talk about our sponsor for this show, and this is Intelligence WP. And what is Intelligence WP? It puts your Google Analytics on steroids, basically. It offers a way of organizing all the data that you can get from Google Analytics into your WordPress dashboard and do it in a way that makes easy sense of a rather complicated program. They're two great founders that um, developed the plugin and we use it ourselves on WP and it's great. So you'll find links in the show notes or go to Intelligence WP and find out more about it. Right, straight into the show, folks. And our first story that I found uh, WordPress development how to make a career of it and that was on WP Shouts um, would like anybody would like to start off with that one come on be brave don't leave me in a lurch Chris yeah, oh you, jo- you oh, do Chris, John Chris go ahead Chris uh, I was just going to say it was a refreshing post because I it was very comprehensive it was very in depth with a lot of deep linking to other uh, courses and articles about the topic <clears throat> I really just wanted to highlight two points in the article. One was this mention of uh, the horror that that uh, web developers deal with sometimes. And that means uh, oftentimes you're starting a relationship with a client where they're kind of on the defensive because they had a bad experience with the web developer before you. When I ran an agency, uh, I felt like I was almost in a... Um, like a psychologist support role during the discovery process when working with clients because they felt burned and, and they, they wanted to move forward, but they were a little scared because they didn't have a good experience before. So I think that's an interesting issue that's happening in our space. I don't know of another industry where there's that much 
um, where that's just such common practice, unfortunately. And I don't really fully understand the issue and how that happens. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit. But also the, the big, one of the big things I really liked in the article was the mention of the value of complementary skill sets. Like John mentioned, he's a SEO consultant. And the reality is these people don't want to hire a web developer. They need, they're trying to solve business problems. And sometimes that takes a well-rounded skill set. It might cross SEO, design, education, um, you know, just functionality of the site, e-commerce, collecting money. But sometimes that takes a well-rounded skill set. So it's important that the developer or the team that the developer's on um, to be truly successful to be able to approach the issue from a solving business problems perspective. I think they're fantastic points, really, Chris. But um, I'm just about to say something. I think a lot also is driven by price, um, unrealistic pricing, drives a lot of bad experiences really but it works both ways you know um, I've known some clients that paid really top-notch price and they got crap service so it it can work both ways what do you think Mac? Yeah I'd have to you know fully agree it's funny I was there was a a post in one of the Facebook groups I'm in uh, that I read yesterday it was all about uh, unsplash.com and how uh, sort of just a race to the bottom. There's all these free images. They're really high quality images, but they're giving away for free. So you're sort of devaluing a photographer's um, a photographer's work. And then there's some legality stuff in there, like with fo- people, you know, people that are in these photos. There's no model release, you know. So there's like this threat of a lawsuit if you use these commercially. And sort of Unsplash is giving their so you say, hey, this is all on you kind of thing. And there was a photographer that actually made this sort of you know, putting this, uh, this video on blast, putting unsplash on blast through this video. And it's like, welcome to the web developers world right? where everything is sort of given away for free and nobody values it. And um, sure it's a price thing, but it's also an educational thing. Um, and sadly the education typically comes when somebody gets burned. Uh, and uh, if, if we can educate uh, you know, like through this article, if we're educating people how to make this a true career, not just like a side thing, but a true career, um, it's going to come, it's going to have to come through some, some solid education. Uh, and some folks are going to have to just stop reading like coding articles and learn about customer service, sustainability and communication, uh, because that's what matters most if they're going to really turn it into a career. Yeah, I think that's well put, Matt. What do you think, John? No, I'm with Matt, and and I know that he'll agree with me because, you know, we both worked in in public-facing roles before we ever got involved with web development, and I think that is the one thing that's lacking. I see that freelancing is a really hot-button thing right now, and you see that with with a lot of courses coming out. Carrie Dill's The Fearless Freelancer, Jason Resnick's, uh, you know, Live in the Feast, but, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me... I don't think it's going to be much of a feast. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, but, but, you know, like Chris was saying, like one of the things is, is having complimentary people that you can pull in. One of the things that's been really freeing for me is offloading design uh, onto other people because I'm just not, you know, a, that good at design. I'm more like, you know, a background in development with an eye for design. Um, the biggest thing that, that sticks out to me is, is like Matt was just saying is read less coding articles. And I would say even 
get out from behind the computer and and work on your pipeline. Uh, don't be afraid to join you know your local chambers of commerce. Uh, go to uh, business events. Get to know like business owners in your area. Uh, that's what's going to give you uh, your first uh, customers. And if you can make one of those business owners uh, happy and do a really good job for them, they will refer you to other people, and, and it will continue to to kind of roll along that path. You'll always uh, get a lot of uh, good, high quality clients from word of mouth. Uh, if you're relying on just you know people finding you via the internet, that's going to be a lot of hit and miss. Uh, don't necessarily think that you're going to always get high quality clients from that. Oh, that's great. We've had Adam um, from WP Craft to join us. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Is my mic sounding okay today? Oh, you, your baritone tones are superb, actually, Adam. Uh, um, so what do you reckon about this article that we started off the show with uh, um, from WP Shout about um, becoming a WordPress developer? Do you think it's a good time to become a WordPress developer? Oh, absolutely it is. However, I will say that um, my take on just any kind of business venture is most people don't have all the skill sets uh, that are required when it's just you. And you'll serve yourself best if you figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're not good at by being brutally honest and figuring out how you can fill in that gap. That's true. Um yeah, I think we move on to the other story. <laughs> Why not? Uh, um, and the other one, um, WordPress localization, five essentials to consider when translating your website. Um, anybody want to start off with that one? Please, please go on, Chris. Do you want to start off with that? I find this issue uh, really fascinating. I run into this a lot in the international community for online education and teaching. Uh, for example, Lifter LMS has customers in many, many different uh, countries and users. A lot of people are trying to create courses that serve people that speak multiple languages. And the issue that I see a lot is that uh, people want to be able to make it easy for the user to take the course in two, three, four, many different languages. And there's not really an elegant solution for that right now, mostly because of video and audio. It's one thing to like start translating words and things. It's another to have like the English version and the Spanish version of the video um, or the audio file. Uh, and I'm, I'm really not sure of what the best solution is right now besides doing the um, multiple domains option. But I think it's an interesting problem as education and online teaching is going mainstream that how do we make it easier for people to serve multiple language speaking countries with the same content? There's not really an elegant solution out there. I'm fascinated with the problem. I don't have a solution yet myself. What about you, Adam? Got any kind of tips, insights about when people want to site in WordPress multilingual? Well, yeah, I think most, I think some people might not actually need to do that. It really depends on where the bulk of your traffic comes from. And you got to, gosh, I don't want to be like a language snob or anything, but 
I mean, English is kind of the global spoken language. Obviously, there's countries that are not speaking English or reading English or communicating in English at all. But there is the vast majority of the population where they're taught English. Uh, however, if you're if you're in America, are you, and, are, you talking and, about, are you talking about proper English, UK English, <laughs> not, the, not this American slang? Are you? What, 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 uh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, but there, there's. You know, so I'm thinking most the vast, vast, vast majority of people that are going to have webs. I mean, like 99.9% do not need a multilingual site. You do need a, um, if you're, say your, your website is mainly serving people in mainland China, your website needs to be <laughs> in Chinese. Uh, but you know, the, the thing is, is most people don't even really need a multilingual site. Now, of course, if you serve an international community, uh, you absolutely should consider it. But I, I don't think most people actually need it. I do think it's important, though, to just know where your traffic comes from uh, and understand that if you are already doing everything in English, it's already going to cover more people than you realize. Everything I do is in English. And I mean, I, I don't know if you guys ever watch that TV show Survivor. Um, I always get a kick out of, I always watch it with my son and his grandpa. We watch it every Wednesday and we have parties and all that kind of stuff. And I always get a kick out of when someone contacts me from one of the countries that they did the show in. And so yesterday someone contacted me from Vanuatu or something. And I'm like, that's from Survivor, you know, and everything I do is in English and it's perfectly, perfectly fine. Mm, yeah. Well, there we go. What do you recommend? I got nothing. <laughs> you need to you need to translate your site. Translate your site. That's what I got. All right. Oh, he's bored with that one. All right. <laughs> well, I knew I was going to get flack, but it, honest flack. Matt's always honest. So there we go. Uh, what do you reckon, John? Yeah, I'm like the same way. I mean, if if you're getting a lot of customers, like actual customers from a foreign. Uh, speaking place like if, if you need to translate it into Spanish or German or French or something else then you know pr consider it but yeah I, I think most of the time you're probably fine yeah I also think this is understandable because this panel is a US um, based panel so uh, I think, and also I'm, I'm from the UK, um, living in the US, and our panel reside in the US. And um, I think we're in a bit of a bubble here, really. And I understand what you're saying, Adam, um, because, you know, it's a really large undertaking if you're going to do it properly. And if you ain't going to do it properly, you'd be probably better off not doing it in the first place. So it's a, you know, managing a good site in one language is problematic to try and do it in two to three different languages. Um, but also I think um, when you look at the amount of downloads on some of these popular um plugins in this sector um they're, they're they're major businesses so i think we're in a little bit of a bubble as well but i do take you say adam because unless you've got the resources and you're really serious about doing it you're better you're probably better off just concentrating in english 
that's what oh, the panel's looking really bored so i'm gonna move on well i, I will say <laughs> something on the economic side of that there was that there's obviously the two big plugins or services will be WPML is one. There's Polylang for free, but then they have some paid stuff. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if that's multilingual, but the interesting one is that software as a service one, and the name escapes me right yeah. now, but they've contacted me many times, and uh, they contacted me, and I'm like, you're crazy. I don't see why anyone would pay for multilingual as a service. I told them that, and um, but I mean, the truth is in the numbers. I mean, they've got like really good reoccurring revenue. They they have, I think it's like 20000 a month that it's uh, making, um, or more than that, actually. I, I don't know. That seems actually kind of low, uh, but it is something that people are willing to pay for. Right. I'm going to throw in a story that wasn't on the list, but I discussed it with John, and I, I think it's something that's just... Um, there's been a lot of discussion about WP Engine and increasing their charges. Um, do you want to start off with that one, John, about what WP Engine's done recently and got any views about it? Yeah, definitely. So... Like a lot of people in the WordPress community, I just got a email. Um, get, you, got, got, you got you got one of those emails, did you, John? I got, I got yeah. I've got like sites on like four different hosts right now, um, but you know, right now, like my site is currently like on WP Engine. Um, so this came out of the blue, though. It's not shocking when you really look at it. They just took around the VC funding and. So basically, um, you know, anybody who's on it right now, uh, you're going to be grandfathered into your current number of installs, but um, the the price is going to go up. So the the, the bottom plan is going to be, I, I want to say it was like 35 bucks or something like that. The middle plan is going to go up from 99 to 115. And instead of 10 installs, you're going to get five. Um, and then, you know... It, Basically, I, I, I think what's happening with them, what, what they said publicly is because um, you can add on like uh, in, in, an install to each plan for like 20 bucks or something like that. Uh, but I think a lot of people that they had, they had like maybe two sites and they were having to bump up to the 10 install plan. So maybe they were just like reconfiguring it. But definitely the other part of it is having to get a return for taking VC money and uh, having to take some growth. And I, I want to hear from Matt on this because I know that the, you know, Pagely's CEO, Pagely is, is homegrown. They've never taken VC. They have no interest in taking VC. Uh, I see the hosting wars kind of heating up in 2018. I, I, I see it being a kind of for real. What are, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Well, I have many thoughts. Uh, it's it's important to realize that I one of my first uh, technology companies was actually a local hosting company uh, about over a decade ago, uh, well over a decade ago at this point. Um, so I've seen it from like way back in the day to sort of how you know how violent it's gotten to, uh, up until now. Um, yeah, I mean. Look, when you, when you compare the Pagely's to the WP Engines, you know, how many people that we hear of all the time that come to us and they say, oh, why don't you have a $50 a month account? You guys are crazy. Uh, why don't you have shared hosting? Uh, you, you could be doing so much better uh, than, than all these other people if you had that. Uh, people don't know the true cost, of, the true cost to, the, to the provider of low-cost hosting. 
Uh, it's super expensive. Uh, there is a ton of support at that price point. Uh, so these moves are not unexpected. I mean, across the board in every industry, our cell phone bills go up, our electric bills go up, and we're like, how much more money do these people need? Um, and it, it's when you're selling cheap services and just packing them into a shared hosting environment, at some point, something's going to break uh, or, you know, the bubble's going to break and they're going to have to need to go up in, in pricing. It's why Pagely starting plan is 500 bucks a month because it's not for everybody. It's a totally different level of service. Um, and it's how Pagely has been able to sustain. Uh, it's like everything else. You get what you pay for. A lot of people have to just treat it like, you know, they're treating a partnership. Um, who are you really, you know, giving your money to? What are they going to do in the future? Uh, you try to make those holistic decisions at the start. A lot of people can't because of budgetary concerns. And that's, it is what it is. That's why they're shared hosting. Totally get it. Um, but it's a sad state of affairs when it just, that price increase just sort of surprises people out of the blue. They're paying 20, 30% more. Um, again, can't fault WP Engine for the vertical that they're taking, but this stuff is all out in the open. Like you see growth after growth. You see investment capital come in. Like the writing's on the wall for people. And I don't want to say like, I told you so, but those are the things that happen. I'm not shaming them for it. It's the vertical that they've decided to take. Um, it's tough to survive in hosting with no outside funding. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of almost like table stakes at this point. Um, yeah. I think the shocking part though, is it's, it's a drastic price increase by the numbers. It's not yeah. 30% or 20%. It, for a lot of people, it's like over 50%. It's a, yeah. quite a hit. And, you know, the impact is you have a lot of, developers, we were just talking about WordPress developers, that they're going to get hit. Like if you weren't charging enough for whatever service you're providing, this is going to dig into it. And you've got to figure out now how to tell your client that what I was charging you is now going to, this is increase is going to you. So what for, for, I just think my personal opinion is it's pretty dramatic at one time. Yeah. If they would have done, say, maybe 20 or 25% and then let you, maybe in a year gone, the other 20 or 25%, like ease people into it, um, then I, I would get it. But yeah, my bills go up all the time too. I'm, I, I, you know, just the natural uh, inflation, which is all phony anyway. Um, it, but it is to be expected, like a 10 or a 15%, but 56%, I think it broke a lot of people's trust in them. Uh, I'm going, I'm not a WP Engine customer, but I've been reading all of the chatter on, on Facebook about it. And it's kind of something I think they're really trying to contain in the WordPress hosting Facebook group. Today, one of the executive members of WP Engine said, okay, here, I'll, I'll have personal calls with you uh, if you're having a difficult time with this. I will have per they're trying to do anything they can to tamper it down. Um, but on the surface of things, it's, it looks like it's just more money, not, nothing new, new to me. Um, uh, that's the only thought that I had with regards to it, the dramatic price increase. Well, it's a strange industry because fundamentally it's dominated by two very large players, but there's a host of other players as well. It's really dominated by two major um, players in it. Um, what, what if, but I suppose you could say that with a lot of industries, couldn't you, Matt? 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know how unusual hosting is, but I think the whole industry in a way is based on a price model that was always a little bit iffy, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah. I mean, um, on that side, nobody wants to pay for anything, right? Everybody loves the, the four letter word of free. Uh, and uh, the closest you can get to free, the better it is. And especially in this industry, we talked about that again at the top of the show with that, with the other article. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's one of those things is it is unfortunate that it's so drastic, but I mean, I, I guess I'll go off script a little bit. Like when I started at Pagely, and I had conversations with customers more at the, like the, the larger business to enterprise side, we'd lose deals to WP engine for price. And we're like, how are they offering that price? I don't understand how they're comparing apples to apples hardware wise at that price. Um, and I'm sure customer acquisition at the low level is even more uh, aggressive. So you start to look at it as like how much, were they selling just loss leaders at the low end and now they have to recoup, uh, they have to recoup that money. Um, you know, it's, hey Matt, is there economies of scale in the hosting business? That would be one thought, you know, they're paying less for the same thing oh yeah. that a, maybe a, a smaller hosting company is paying. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But so <clears throat> there's things I don't want to say to, 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 uh, get get Pagely in trouble, but uh, it is, and not just WP Engine, this is common for everybody to, you, you make new deals with other hosting providers, right? So uh, one year, one company's getting a deal with, with Rackspace, saving 20%. Next year they say, oh, DigitalOcean's giving us a great deal now, right? Let's move all of our, let's migrate all of our customers over to that, right? Um, and they just work these deals internally uh, you know, again, like these bigger hosting companies, that's the business model. How much can we make per customer? Uh, and let's focus on on that margin. Well, it's also it's also the hosting. I'm I am not an expert on hosting in any shape or form. Um, I did I did do a lot of UX, um, Linux at one day at one time, but <clears throat> what occurs to me is that the hosting industry uh, has dramatically changed because you've got things like Dig- digital ocean you've got amazon services you've got google now playing big in providing cloud server technology um like wp engine that they they don't really run their own servers what they seem to me is they offer an interface and they offer service through support and they're um, a lot of the actual hardware they don't control. Am I on the right track there, Matt, or am I waffling? Yeah, so, yeah, like I'd say that a majority of the, of the managed WordPress hosts are using Google Cloud, uh, Pagely specific to AWS. Um, some people use DigitalOcean. Some people use whatever Rackspace has for virtual stuff. Um, you know, and then they put that, and then they, they just layer their servicing fee on top of it. Uh, and that's the thing, like uh, I'm trying to avoid making this a, a Pagely ad, but a lot of these managed WordPress providers are like the page builders of today where they're trying to shape the experience of how you experience hosting, right? So they give you these beautiful dashboards with all of these tools, bells and whistles, 
but then they forget about hosting your website, right? Like what's the most important part that I want out of my web hosting is up and running fast as possible, secure as possible. The features are nice afterwards, but give me the core competency of keeping my site up fast running, uh, super fast and reliable. These other folks are, they're spending a lot of R and D on building these beautiful dashboards, uh, staging workflows, all of this stuff. Um, I think they, WP engine does a thing with SEO now where it like, you know, looks at your content and tells you how you're going to rank or something like, it's like crazy. <laughs> it's like, how much are you going to do in this thing? But th- th- that's where the dollars are going. So um, again, that's just another tidbit of maybe why they're increasing their prices. They got all this R and D happening there. It's not just about a pure play on hosting. So they got to recoup somehow. They have to keep innovating. And, and they, they feel that they have to compete by in, innovating at that level, right? Versus just super fast, super reliable hosting. Uh, Chris, got any thoughts on this? So I'm a WP Engine customer at Lifter LMS. We're on the 100 site plan and we use a lot of sites. And this isn't for clients, this is just for us. Um, to Adam's point about it being a drastic change, it is a drastic change for companies like mine, but I think for the individual user, the uh, increase from $29 to $36 a month or $35 a month, whatever it is, is not that crazy. And we still stand behind that and recommend that to people. We get asked all the time what hosting we recommend. Well, we recommend what we use and for $35 a month when your website is not just a brochure site, but is the business that has users and complex issues and security needs and backup needs and restore needs. Um, WP Engine is very great for the professional online business builder who's just getting started, especially. Um, that's, you know, there's a big difference between $10 a month and $35 a month in terms of what you get. For me, all I had to do was just clean out a bunch of sites. We were just kind of lazy with it. We don't really need these anymore. We're not really running this test anymore. And, and we're, you know, we have some price increase, but I understand what they're doing. They're making it more expensive for agencies and high volume business like us. They're forcing us to like, not be so cavalier with, Oh, I have like, 20 websites over here that I'm, I don't really need. So it's, it's, an, it's causing some quality control. But in the end, I'm not really looking at moving because, um, you know, in terms of value-based pricing on the receiving end of that, not the company trying to rationalize that. I've been a happy customer. I was on AWS for a long time and had lots of problems. So the interface and the customer support that I get from managed WordPress hosting, uh, I've... It, all our problems literally went away as soon as we switched and we paid a lot more money for it, but it's okay. Um, so that's our, that's our experience with it. And, you know, I'm just kind of on the sidelines observing what's happening. We're always open to changing hosts um, and seeing what else is out there uh, based on the value, based on the customer support, based on our needs. But um, it just seems like an evolution of business um, and they just, they need to manage the transition appropriately. Um, and, you know, the narrative that's out there and why they're doing that. I think they need to talk about it more and explain what's going on. Price increases are always a delicate thing. Oh, yes, definitely. You're so suave, Chris. Yeah, you can tell Chris is a CEO, can't you? Chris uh, for mayor. Chris for mayor. <laughs> I'm going to go for our break, folks, and uh, we'll be back. We got some In the second half, we've got some fantastic stories, so don't disappear. Come back. We'll be coming back in a few moments, folks. 
Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We've, uh, I, I think we've had a fantastic group discussion already, but we've got some other great stories on my list. I think I've done a reasonable job. Um, but I'll leave that to my panel to make their judgment. Uh, Rob, on to the next story. Bezo is coming. Mapping Amazon growing reach. Yeah, enough, another Death Star. Oh, I don't know where the man I'll say that. Got any thoughts about that one, Matt? I mean, I remember, I remember when I started my business uh, 10, 12 years ago, my brother was starting his and he does like stocks and day trading and stuff like that. I was like, man, you got to really look at Amazon. This is like when Amazon was just, you know, you're just buying stuff from Amazon, like just buying goods from Amazon. And they were just rolling out web services. I'm like, you got to look at this company. It's amazing. Like what they're doing, web services and products. This is great. And now today it's just everywhere. Um, it's, it is scary. Uh, I mean, there's a point where I, you know, really enjoyed Amazon because of its, uh, because of how convenient it is. Um, you know, but they just bought, uh, so I use these ring security cameras around my house. Yeah. I can answer the doors and everything and, and all this stuff. And they just bought that company. Now I'm like, man, just like now they're going to know like, you know, how much mail I get when I leave the house, they're going to recommend, you know, I have to buy new, you know, doorknobs because they see me turning the knob a hundred times. Like I'm just, when is it going to stop? Um, it, it's, it's definitely a spectacle of a company, but, uh, they're just everywhere, and it's a little, little concerning. Well, you know, you do wonder when, you know, when they are going to have problems with antitrust. Um, you know, you in some ways you're surprised that they're not already having some pop. Not, I don't want to get political in this in this conversation, um, but it's probably determined politically. You know, it's a political decision, but I do. Think if they continue during continue with the path that they're going down, they're going to have some antitrust problems. What do you think, Adam? Well, one thing I I I can admire, uh, but it's the sinister side <laughs> in some of us uh, with Amazon is if Amazon enters you, anything that you're doing, get get buckle in because they're going to squash you. They're just going to squash you. They could like it. I would, when I actually read this, I'm like, this is a WordPress show. Are we going to talk about the possibility of Amazon selling managed WordPress hosting because they would squash everybody because they could offer a WP engine pagely level service for like $2 and lose billions of dollars and have no problem doing that squash them and then raise their prices. And that's what they do to everybody. Everybody they do that to. Um, that's what they're going to do with Whole Foods. That's what, what they're going to do with the, uh, you ever know, did you notice uh, last year, 
Apple said, we're going to come out with this really cool expensive speaker for $350. What did they do? They cut their speakers in half and sold millions of them. So who, who needs a speaker now? We already all got them. You know what I mean? We're locked and loaded. And I got them. I got one right here and I love it. Um, and it's fine. And it was only 70 bucks. So, I mean, you're right about the antitrust. That's going to happen well, for sure. You, you've just, you just, you know, the statements you've just made are are um, so relevant because they are antitrust activities. They are, you know, when looked at, if you look at what the regulation, they are already. There's clear evidence that they are involved in antitrust activity. Is it not? Yeah, and, and you know, it's never going to come out of the United States. It's going to come out of Europe. If anything, anyone's going to ever do anything, it's going to be Europe. Because, I mean, Europe just likes to put all kinds of whacked out stuff out there. <laughs> Lots of discussions about that uh, data protection rule right now. Uh, but anyways, not to change the subject too much. But yeah, they're, they're, they definitely have problems in there. They're like the next Microsoft. They are crushing anyone that gets in their way. Squashing you. Squashing. Yeah, what do you reckon, John? What do you reckon? With Amazon, everything is a zero-sum game. They basically took the formula that Walmart had uh, in the retail space of going into towns and basically undercutting like all the local businesses until they had all the business. They took that, they perfected it, um, and they ramped it up. Um, you you see like the types of you know it's everything they do. You see the tax breaks that that they get. Um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, from these cities. And it's like these warehouse jobs are not that great. I mean, they honestly chew up the workers and spit them out like they're just disposable. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, one of the things, and this gets like really like philosophical, and I know Chris would probably enjoy this conversation <laughs> greatly, but like it's like how, how, what are these big companies like? What, what are they really going to solve for humanity, other than giving me my you know pack of socks the same day? Like you have all of this money, all of this tech, all this innovate. Like what are you really solving other than turning us into the product? Um, you know, I saw somewhere a headline a couple of weeks ago that they might get into the insurance game. You know, and it, it, my first thought as like a techie or something like that is like that's awesome. Like I can just you know, I don't want to talk to anybody. Just give me the cheapest insurance ever and whatever. But then you start to think of like, what happens when something goes wrong and you're at the doctor and you're like, oh, you got that shitty Amazon insurance. Like good luck getting help over there. Um, it just makes me wonder like these mega corporations, what are, like, what are they really solving for us? Elon Musk is going to the, uh, going to Mars. I mean, I know so is Be- Bezos, but for what? So he can sell the stuff up there when when Elon gets up there first, like what, what's going on? Um, they know something we don't, Matt. <laughs> probably. I mean, really, probably. This is the aliens. But, really, you know, uh, I don't want to go off. It's a keep the boundary. But fundamentally, um, if you want a free, uh, free market system, you've got to have different players. Um, <laughs> if you just got Amazon <laughs> in dominating sector after sector, because they can get capital at a much cheaper rate. And you already seen Adam was really on to it. You know, when um, I think when they said they were going to buy Whole Foods and they were going to go into the prepare, I think some of the leading um, food preparers, you know, ship it to homes, ready meals, 
some of the leading companies in that sector, they, their share price went down by 10, 20%. On the day of announcement, you know, um, what do you reckon, Chris? You know, can can the system tolerate Amazon anymore, really? Or is, is something going to um, come to spoil their party, really? I think it can for a while. Whenever something becomes a commodity, that it becomes prime for the picking from Amazon. But even after something is commoditized, there's always room for a higher end market. So like just because there's a Walmart in every town, there's still artisans and, you know, people on Etsy, you know, making fancier versions of the stuff that's not at the cheapest cost. So it's not the end of the world, but it, it does displace a lot of uh, kind of people and jobs in the middle. So that's interesting. And it is, you know, to tie back into WordPress, I'm, I'm seeing it coming into the online education space. Uh, Mike Morrison over at the Membership Guys podcast, he did a podcast about a year ago about Amazon payments for memberships. And nobody's talking about this. It's still early days. But Amazon's going to be coming in. And I, I know some people are already doing it. Like, it's not just for books anymore. What happens when online courses and memberships start showing up in the catalog? It's only a matter of time. Um, so that's, I find that interesting and that's going to impact our space. And I also just think in general, this conversation is really interesting to anybody starting a business like the web developer. Uh, we talked about in the first article that there's kind of this classic advice that as an entrepreneur, you need to go niche, you need to niche down and, you know, really serve a particular customer. But if you study entrepre entrepreneurs, there's this whole other kind of entrepreneur uh, like Mark Cuban, like Jeff Bezos, that go after ubiquity, which is everywhere. I mean, in, even in the name of the company, the Amazon, he knew from day one, he was going after everything. It's this giant river <laughs> that crosses the continent. So it's just a different style, different style. But we need to be vigilant. We need to be vigilant as a society, you know, against... Um, you know, too much centralised power. Yeah. My, my final comment, because um, our next story in some ways is I feel linked to this story in um, It Will Appear, folks. But my final comment on this is that... Um, what is my final... It's just left my mind, actually. Um, but my final comment on this is, you know, these like companies like Google, Facebook, not so much Facebook, they're, they're for my... Um, or Amazon and other large tech companies, they have a public image of liberal, liberal, liberal attitude. But when you look at their actions and how they actually do business, there's nothing liberal about them at all. Uh, um, it's all, um, it's real hardcore 19th century railway baron kind of dealing with other players and uh, and they're really hardcore um, and they've managed to kind of produce this image of, I wouldn't say cuddly friendly but um, they've been given a lot of slack and I think the I think public attitudes are starting to turn now and the reality of these companies is um, becoming more clearer. So um, that's what I've got to say. So on to story four. My last day at Moss, my first day at Spartaro. I thought, I thought this uh, um, I thought this story was really interesting. Um, let's, let's start off with our guest, Matt. What did you think of this piece? 
I've been a fan uh, of Rand uh, for quite some time. Uh, you know, he, he's somebody that I, I sort of feel, I don't want to say sorry uh, for, because I, I think he's successful, but he was definitely one of those guys who was like super transparent. We sort of, you know, we being people who used to follow the start of Basecamp and, uh, you know, other sort of homegrown big name SaaS companies now. Uh, and, and sort of just, I've always felt like he was the guy that was just getting beat up by the market. Like we were just talking about these big players. It's unfortunate that he built in Google's sandbox and Google did nothing really to, to, to help him. And then I think a lot of us in the WordPress space are in that same, starting to get our feet into that same sandbox where we have to be cautious of, of investing too much in building in somebody else's, uh, somebody else's platform that we don't have control over. Um, and uh, I've always just been fascinated by him just because he has been transparent. He's always talked about the struggles uh, of running that business um, and, or Moz. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where he goes next with this stuff. Uh, and I think it's a shining example of, you know, I mean, so many uh, different, <laughs> so many different things, but like success doesn't come easy. Uh, that whole iceberg effect of what you see on the outside isn't really what you see uh, down below. Uh, and uh, I think he's going to, he's learned a lot of lessons over the years where this, this next venture uh, will hopefully be successful. And I'm, I'm sort of rooting for him internally. I don't know him at all or anything like that, but I've, I've enjoyed his story along the way for sure. Yeah, my feelings are totally like yours, Matt. Um, he seem, he's always been a very, seems to be a very sharing individual and, and open about his activities. Another um, part of the article that I found interesting was his advice part, where he was saying if you're going in technology, you really, really um, need to specialise, but then specialise, double down on the specialisation, like... S, you know, take example, I think the example he took was SEO. You know, just don't say that you're somebody that specialises in SEO. Or it's got to be even more focused in a specialisation if you're going to have a future career. Um, what do you think of that one, John? Yeah, I think that's where it's at, in a, in, and especially in the WordPress uh, pool I think you almost have to specialize. Um, I, I just think at this point, you know, maybe five years ago, like uh, if, if you just put WordPress uh, on your tagline, that would have been enough. But I think at this point you, you have to, to specialize in some branch of either solving a problem or who you're solving that problem for. Uh, I, I just want to add to you. I think I, I with Rand Fishkin getting forced out of Moz, that's another case of um, where when you take VC money, you have to uh, produce results or you get told bye-bye. So, word to the wise. Yeah, well, you know... Well, your prices uh, go up. That's true. Uh, what, what did you think of the piece, Adam? Well, it's interesting because... 
Uh, this has actually been a long time coming. Um, uh, I, I'm one of those old school guys that still uses an RSS reader. I've been using one for like 15 years. I use Feedly before it was Google Reader and then it's Feedly. And one of the people that are in there in the marketing space, gosh, what is that guy's name? I totally forget his name, but he is the most in the know guy. And a year ago, he said Moz is leaving. And he posted it and that article went a few places and then he took the article down, meaning Maz is getting fired. Um, and that was a year ago. So this has kind of been a long time coming uh, that this was uh, going to happen. It, you know, running, <laughs> it probably goes back to that first article about being a developer. And, you know, I would say, you, you know, you might not have the full skill set. No one does. Um, it's, it speaks to the challenge of when it's not you anymore and you have to start building a team and giving up, having a partnership. Most partnerships end up in like this position where someone is forced out. Usually the whole company collapses. I've been in that uh, situation as well. Um, but he is one of those people. I'd like to see him just build a personal brand uh, versus building uh, another multi-million dollar company. I'd rather see him build a multi-million dollar personal brand and not be like in a situation like this where, you know, he's going to get forced out again. He's, maybe he's a strong person, a strong opinion guy. I know I have strong opinions, and that's probably what causes me to have conflict with people. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're a pussycat, really. I've, I've dealt with people much worse than you, Adam. <laughs> uh, Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I just wanted to highlight, uh, I think I thought it was a great article. Um, when somebody's reflecting on their entire career and they leave like five points at the end, I pay a lot of attention to that kind of thing because that took a lot of experience and hard knocks to come to those points. Yeah. Uh, the five things he said that, that were important were empathy, specialization, video, having a holistic view, listening to your customers over the, um, with more priority than high-profile, high-powered individuals. I'd like to actually focus specifically on the power of video. This is something I've been fascinated with for a long time. A lot of people on this panel... Adam makes great videos. He just got a $4,000 camera. I think I saw somewhere. Uh, video is huge. Matt Medeiros does a, does a lot on video. I do a lot on video. We're doing a lot on video here. Video is eating the internet. And uh, I don't think that's going away. I, don't th I think this is still early days of video. And he was just saying how important uh, video was an accelerant for his personal brand. Just like Adam was saying, he'd like to see him keep going with the personal brand. Um, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that and, and just focusing on the video medium for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. I totally agree, but the, the only form in the year uh, is that video to a lot of people is YouTube. And, you know, I know Adam's doing great, but it's like a bit like what Matt said about putting your, all your eggs in one platform that you don't, so you don't have any control over is that the problem is it's part of the Death Star, isn't it? It's part of Google. <laughs> you know? Actually, let me uh, add a deeper strategy. And if anyone is watching what I'm doing, I know Chris has probably seen more of what I'm doing because he's in my Facebook group. Uh, I use video as a feeder. 
Um, so that's where I'm pulling the people in and then I'm distributing them evenly. So if you watch the last five videos, I'm like, join my Facebook group, join my Facebook group, join my Facebook group. I'm saying that in every video video now, my Facebook group's been exploding. It just hit 4,000 members, engaged, active people, and a lot of fun stuff is going in there. But yeah, just on the video side, I just wanted to throw in, it, it depends on how you're using it. And, and my strategy with it is it's a feeder. It's the way of pulling people in throw them on my, uh, uh, lead them to my website, lead them to the Facebook group so I can make that deeper personal connection with them. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I would say that that's the only way that, uh, like when we we talk about Amazon and and what happens when they just come in and and crush the little guy, like that are, are, and I I agree with Adam, I, I would like to see Rand do a personal brand because there he is, he's back to doing more data marketing driven, like, influencer intelligence. I don't even know what the hell that is, right? Like build me a personal brand that I can identify with. Uh, and I think that video and, and these personal connections is the only thing we have left, which is scary uh, to compete with because somebody will always outspend you. Somebody will always sell it cheaper, uh, but they can't take the personality or the drive or the passion or the reason why you started your business or service. And it's the last thing that I see it anyway is the last thing we have left. And we're only in 2018. <laughs> Well, you know, to actually remove the founder, one of the joint founders, uh, the public face of Moss, is a a drastic decision. And um, unless it it has to be done, unless there's such a divergence of view of where Moss should go as a company, um, that is so ex- so argumentative. To go down that path was, it, in my opinion, a very unwise decision. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, a decision that um, this, you know, for the investors, um, I, I cannot see it ending well. But who knows? You know, um, obviously, I, I would imagine some very. There were some very serious discussions, um, but sometimes these are just personality clashes um, that can't be resolved um, in a logical way. Um, I've I've had some situations where I've, I, they're not exactly being partners, but we've had a close business relationship, and I can't I couldn't personally stand the individual that, but um, we we came to a. Arrangement where we still done business, but we knew that we kept our we kept our bar- our boundaries to really solely business. I'm waffling now, and I all right. Let's get on to the other story. Let's save myself. Uh, um, or the panel will sack me. What they do a coup and get rid of me? Right. Let's go on to the next story. The final one. WordPress as a service platform. WP. How do you pronounce it? Sass, whatever. Ass, WPS. Ass. Oh my God. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> I mean, that's what the logo is. I, you know, I see WPS. <laughs> that's exactly what it says. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I need saving. It's, I've had a rough morning, folks. I'm not going to tell you, but I've had a bit of a rough morning. Uh, Matt, would you like to start off with this one? Sure. Um, you know, uh, it's 
it's what I, what I think. I think everybody is sort of trying to move to. I think I think anybody when I think of like page builders, web hosts, even agencies, it's really the building the experience around WordPress and all the different things that you bake into it. Um, you know, it's it's just a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, baked into one thing. Uh, I wonder how well it does it by putting all of this stuff under one un, under one roof. Like, do you need all of this stuff to be served up by WordPress? I don't know. Um, it's very like Zoom. How could you ever replace Zoom with something uh, in, a, in a WordPress uh, plugin? Um, you know, I don't know. It, I, to me, I think it's, yeah, it's a great, great list of, of tools. And I think it's a nice shining example of WordPress can, can serve all this stuff up. But uh, I don't think it's always... I don't think WordPress is the is the solution to everything, really. Uh, yeah. it, um, I had a discussion with uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, of Ten Up, and he said, you know, he's in he even him, you know, um, he said if it's around publishing, you know, you can place a good argument. If it's a, but it, there are certain things which WordPress is just not suitable for. I'm going to be Kim. I want to jump in on this one, Jonathan. Oh, it's Kim. Kim's been very quiet. <laughs> hey, Kim. Been very, very quiet, but she's been handling our, our Facebook um, discussion, and I just can't handle two jobs at once. Go no, on. I try to do that. But I, I did this last year, so I want to jump in on this one. I took my membership platform with my online learning system, and I tried to add support into it with a series of plugins. I wasn't trying to redo... Um, Zoom or any of that, but I had BB Press and I had another plugin that was, and I, I'm sorry, I don't have the name because I did not read this stuff ahead of time today. Uh, it was supposed to take BB Press and turn it into that help desk type Zendesk kind of thing. And I just have to say, I, I, it was a nightmare. I, I had a good chunk of customers. I loved them, but trying to manage it and keep it up and still be able to do all the support for those customers, I just ended up having to shut it down. I would, it was a case I felt I would have been better off using a true Zendesk or one of those that's already got it built in than trying to add that plus the knowledge base plus everything else to my installation. So just my thoughts from having it hurt a little bit. Yeah, we, we would be sexist, folks. <laughs> it's just like, you know, Kim was just helping me on the Facebook. Bless her, bless her for doing it as well. What do you reckon, Chris? I think it's a really interesting article. Uh, the way I like to describe this issue is that uh, you want to avoid, like, the all-in-one, like, WordPress is everything to all things. Like, I come across this in the learning management system space. Uh, it, like, for example, Lifter is the all-in-one solution, but sometimes it's best to integrate with third-party tools that are best in breed. If you're going to be doing coaching calls, you should be using Zoom, not trying to, you know, shove a Google Hangout into, a, I, I don't know. There's just, there's sometimes the best in breed is outside of the WordPress ecosystem. So it's more of an integration issue, like Kim is saying, with, Zendesk or Help Scout. Maybe there's a WordPress plugin that can help you connect to those things better, but not necessarily take over the job. So unless you're going to be become the best in breed, where where it's better than what you can integrate out to, then it's a losing battle. I think so. What do you think, John? Well, definitely, I I think uh, in the WordPress space, I think a lot of plugins are moving toward being software as a service. 
I kind of think that's a, uh, anything that can be ported to uh, a SaaS is going to be. And um, that's pretty much it. I, I, that's just where things are going. Uh, that's great. What do you reckon, Adam? Can WordPress dominate everything like Amazon? Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Very wise. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'd love, I would, I would love for a groups, a groups uh, alternative to Facebook to work really well in WordPress. I'm sure Adam would love that too. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is like people won't log into it and interact like they will on a Facebook group because they're already in it. They're already experiencing Facebook and it's just so convenient to push somebody to your own internal uh, bulletin board or something like that. I, I wish there was a great solution for something like that, but sadly it's not as seamless uh, right now. Yeah. I want to finish off with, you know, cause you've, you've joined the panel this week, uh, Matt, and thank you so much. We always see you as a friend of the show. Um, you've been on a few, uh, about three or four times. And I just want to say, Matt, you know, um, you've written some recent posts that I really think are fantastic, Matt. And, um, what, how do you how do you sense how this whole thing you know about the visual editor about how it was done about the general feeling in the WordPress community about what's happened in the past eight nine months would you just like to pass a comment about that sure um I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot in motion right now. I mean, my opinion is just really just my opinion. I don't know if anybody shares uh, the same, same views that well, I do. I, th I think there's quite a few people that share. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think just like we, again, we talk about these mega corps. Uh, it's just, an, it's just the next play for automatic for good reason. I say, uh, I'd say it's for good reason for them to get into this space. And, um, you know, specifically talking about Gutenberg, uh, but, it's, it is the, it is the year of, you know, I guess I'll say monetization for WordPress, right? You will see the, the, the more heavily integrated connection of Jetpack services. When Gutenberg is finalized, you'll be buying layouts and themes through that. And it will really be that, you know, we've got investors, we have to make some money. How are we going to do it? This thing called Jetpack. Um, what is super surprising to me and, and Adam can really talk about this too, is when I was doing a lot of tutorials a year ago, a year and a half ago, page builder groups and communities were like on fire. Like people were just like Divi, Beaver Builder, Elementor. And I'm not saying that it, it, it hasn't, it has, that it has stopped, but they are, they being automatic now, controlling the, the dialogue around the hype of WordPress. Uh, through Gutenberg. And that was very important for them um, because now I feel like they've always needed to come to it, to a, a way to solve the experience of WordPress because you were getting a fractured, uh, a, a fractured experience with, with all these page builders and then these web hosts sort of importing all their plugins in the same time. And here's all these page builders we recommend. So people try WordPress and like WordPress sucks because I tried it over here. Automatic can now make this more seamless to say this is the true way to build a website with WordPress. And uh, whether they were smart enough to figure this out and this is the way that they could kind of control that through Gutenberg or it just sort of happened where now the market said, wow, this is pretty good, right? Um, 
you know, it, it, I just feel like they're really starting to control that and they will continue to control that a little bit more going into 2018. Not a bad way, I'm trying to say that, um, but certainly a strategic way for them to, uh, to wrap their arms around uh, everything WordPress. Uh, it's been, you know, been quite interesting. And on the flip side, when Gutenberg first came out, people were like, this sucks. They're like, what is this? And, and these are all developers saying it. And, and as much as you might not like it, it's like, what, what do you, this is software. This is how software is built. So, I mean, you all, we're all going through these iterations. I mean, it might've sucked then, but it, it's probably really great now. Um, or if it's not, it's going to get better. That's for sure. Like people were just sort of up in arms about it, but um, that's the devil's advocate side of it. But I, you know, for what it's worth, I, I really think it's the way for them to solidify their, their path forward uh, to compete with Wix and Squarespace because they have to now. Yeah, but the funny thing, we on our pr- last Friday, we looked at some figures and Squarespace and Wix, especially, you know, Wix, Squarespace and Shopify are growing, but they're still, when you look in percentage terms, they're <laughs> Compared to some other content management systems, they're memos, really. But when, what we don't see is the the PNL of automatic. So what what are, what you know what are their numbers looking like uh, in terms of of income to the money that they're losing ground uh, to those? Oh, I would companies? imagine that they're being totally destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So, so um, welcome, I, welcome to Jetpack. Yeah. Um, Basically, like the .org doesn't count. It's right. only the .com that counts. Right. Well, Which the, ends up happening in a lot of um, uh, platforms that start off this way. They're all about the community, and then, bam, community's left in the dust, and it's all about the, the hosted version. Yep. Well, I wouldn't be so – oh, I had to put this. I always felt how – Did he freeze? He froze. There's a violent windstorm coming through Nevada. Well, it was a to me, it was a bit schizoid. It was not very clear the boundaries and how and because it was a high growth platform, um, a lot of this schizoid arrangement worked because everybody was doing everybody serious in it, was doing pretty okay in it. So everybody kind of shut up. Uh, it's when it's when things aren't doing so well, people start chirping up or they feel that, you know, that they find some balls to say something. You know, a lot of people are just sheep and they just go, <laughs> they just go with the flow if they're, if they're doing okay. I don't classify you, Matt, definitely as a sheep and I don't classify anybody on this panel as sheep. Um, but um, to stick your head... Um, stick your head and say something that doesn't go with the herd mentality. You've got to be pretty, because you're going to get a lot of grief, aren't you? You know, you're not, you're not going to get a warm reception. Um, so I, I understand why Automatic are doing this, really, because I think they had to. But on the other hand, the way it was communicated and a clear pathway about how Automatic is going to work with WordPress.org and the wider community, how that's been communicated, and a, a landscape drawn um, about boundaries and about how everything is going to work. 
was really very poorly communicated and, and to some extent still is. What do you think about that, Adam? Do you think I'm waffling? I spaced it there. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I've got like some uh, a meeting I've got to head out to. So oh. I was like, oh my gosh, let me see what the, the email is uh, uh, and stuff like that. But um, uh, you know what? When you were talking, I was thinking, I, I hope uh, Matt Mullenweg doesn't go the Rand Fishkin route. You know what I mean? Because same thing, right? Got to maximize profits, take money. Um, and you were talking about going against the grain. Uh, and I do have to say from, from someone who has followed several open source projects over time and have seen the evolution of maximize profits and then leave the community people out in the dust so that they will switch over because they have no choice. Um, it, it, WordPress has been different and I think um, it's uh, really encouraging to see, but I think WordPress has a wider, deeper developer community that if they did that, see you later automatic, it'll just pick up from a, uh, some kind of other organizational structure, you know. Right, thanks for that, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> even if it was unrelated. <laughs> yeah, right, Chris, um, that, you know, Adam has uh, made a good point. Um, do you think is that scenario that Matt was really just told by his VC you know, that some of this has not come from Matt. It's more that he's been told he's got to go a certain direction. I'm cautious, but optimistic. I don't think all of these um, companies play out in exactly the same way. Uh, but, you know, like with Rand, like if it becomes a headless company, that gives me great concern. And Matt ha has philosophically been a champion for the community. And if that voice goes away for whatever reason, um, that's really interesting. And perhaps, you know, now that they have investment, things are in play. But if we look at another company like WP Engine, I really look up to Jason Cohen as an entrepreneur. Um, he's no longer the CEO. He hired another CEO. Uh, I think he's still head of product or CTO or something else, but he's still inside the company. So, and he has done both bootstrap companies and venture back companies. So I see him as having kind of a balance there, which I find really interesting. But I think. I'm not, I have no idea where the future is going to go. I think it's going to be a critical year for WordPress. Uh, if things go well, great. If they don't go well, um, I, whether it was uh, Adam or Matt, I can't remember which said it. I think the community is strong enough that it can move on in a different way if it needs to. So I'm optimistic either way. I hope it stays together. But if, it, if there needs to be a breakup and something happens, I'm optimistic that, you know, there'll be a new way ahead. There's, there's so much momentum built up in this community. Um, and then it, it just becomes a leadership issue. You know, I, I would say that I think certainly Matt isn't, uh, you know, doing it from a pure profit play. And I would agree he is a champion of open source. He's a champion of WordPress. He won't, I don't think he will let WordPress fail to that degree because WordPress is him. Uh, he certainly never indicated that you know, he, this is just a, a straightforward uh, entrepreneurial journey for him. Like, I think it is deeply woven into his fabric. At the same time, I think the play is here is he has investors. And like you said, Chris, while that might not be playing out the same exact way, uh, I would imagine if I were the voice in Matt's head, he'd be saying to himself, uh, I'm smarter than you. Sure, you want me to go get make money. But at the same time, I want to champion open source. So... I think, again, I think that's where his Jetpack product bridges that gap. 
where he is able to, because why didn't they just build Gutenberg on .com to compete with, with Wix and Squarespace or, or, you know, in some form or fashion, a, a page builder on .com? Um, one, because he probably would have got <laughs> attacked by the community, right? As much as we don't want it now, people would be saying, why are you only giving that to .com and not us? Um, two, I generally think he wants to build it for the betterment of all. Um, but three was also that, that play because it's a bigger target and he can monetize it through, again, his, his, his Jetpack channel, which is whatever. It's fine. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly him maybe trying to say, I'm going to outsmart the traditional VC and I will also pander to the VC, but also help the open source community. I think he has good intentions uh, to wrap that up. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Matt, actually. I, I do agree with you, but it's, uh, he's juggling a lot of balls, isn't he? He's juggling. And one more thing. So <laughs> one more thing about, you know, uh, the article I wrote about the blue-collar digital worker. Yeah. Which, um, I, which I think was a great article, actually. I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I actually thought that was a really fantastic article, Matt. A lot of this all comes down to, to communication. And there are people in this community, people on this exact panel, people watching this, that want to contribute and uh, in, in have their voice heard for the betterment of everything. I mean, um, you know, there, there were those, uh, 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 I forget what, even what the, the name of it is, the, the panels or um, they were doing the consumer panel for, for WordPress and they were doing the enterprise uh, panel for WordPress. And um, I applied, like I got a lot that I can contribute to, uh, you know, the, the growth councils, growth councils. There's a lot of stuff that I can contribute to the growth. I applied, heard nothing. Um, then he sort of admitted that it got fell to the wayside. He reopened up. I applied again, a bunch of other people applied again. And then there was a enterprise growth council put together of 10 up human made Matt, uh, a couple other high-end uh, agencies, nobody heard anything. People I talked to, I put a little survey out on Twitter, nobody heard anything. So it's like, it's always like this, this struggle of communication with him where I think that sometimes it's, it's uh, he's trying to do things the, the right way, but by opening it up, but he still wants, uh, you know, full control. That's fine. Just come out and say it. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't make me waste my time filling out a form if you're not even going to reply to me uh, as to why I didn't make it. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I think I, I said something. I, I said something about Matt um, over a year ago, and I got some terrible flat for it. I got some some real email. Um, I called a benevolent dictator, and that's how I see him. Um, and that's good and bad. That because um, you could have a committee set up that could be awful, that just have endless meetings and get nowhere. So you certainly don't want to end up with something like that. But it, the, there is a contradiction in Matt. Um, and it's so obvious that he has this side where he wants a community, but he also has the side of a high-achieving individual and CEO um, that wants, still wants real control. And I, in some ways, I don't see anything wrong with that, you know, but, I, you know, sometimes I find it irritating that, you know, we're all community, lovely, jubbly, blah, 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 but then it's obvious that he wants full control still, so there's a bit of a contradiction there. All right, uh, I waffled on a bit, didn't I, but thank you so much, Matt. Um, Matt, how can people 
Um, we're going to wrap up the show now, but Matt, how can people find out about more about you and what you are up to? Uh, every, all the links that I'm associated to are on the website craftedbymatt.com, craftedbymatt.com. And I want to say Paisley um, is a boutique, I'm going to see if Matt agrees with it, Paisley is a boutique hosting specializing in WordPress and it's a fantastic company um, with great ethics. But it's uh, a specialized boutique hosting provider for a certain range of customer. Would I be right about that, Matt? 100%. It's like you work there. <laughs> it, but it has ethics and it's a great hosting company, um, but not for everybody, which is not, fine, isn't it, Matt? Not, not, not for everybody. Uh, Chris, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find out more about me at lifterlms.com. I'm at Chris Badgett on Twitter. And if you're into online courses and teaching online, uh, you check out my podcast, LMS Cast. That's great. And Kim, my co-host, who's been silently dealing with our social media. How can people, <laughs> how can people be dealing, uh, get hold of you and find out what you're up to? They can find everything at kimshivler.com. That's great. And John, how can people find out about the great posts and the things you are up to? You can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. I'm Lockdown Design on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Lockdown underscore on Twitter. That's great. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, please go to the WP Tonic website. Um, we've got a load of new articles. Um, we're becoming a publishing engine ourselves. And you find a full set of show notes and links provided by my beloved um, co-host, Kim, uh, about this show. And we do this every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch live on our Facebook page. And um, if you really feel that you want to support the show, um, give out a Twitter to our major sponsor, which is Kinster Hosting. And also um, give us a review on iTunes. Um, I always read them. And if they're amusing, I'll read them up on the show, good, bad or indifferent. But we'll see you next week where we have another great roundtable show for you. See you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.